Hey, everybody, this is your host, Andy Sokolovich from UnleashedStrengths.com. Thank you for listening to episode number 32 of the one, the only, the greatest podcast on the planet Earth. That's right, folks, Thematics. In episode number 32, we have Ian Pettigrew coming to us via Manchester, England. He's going to talk about some amazing things that he's doing with StrengthsFinder. But what I want you to really listen to is his acronym, SWIMART. S-W-I-M-A-R-T. It's definitely something you're going to want to write down. Sit back, relax, enjoy yourself, and as always, stay addicted. I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. You're listening to Thematics, presented by UnleashedStrengths.com, the only show that embraces your addiction to strengths. Welcome back to another episode of Thematics. First, a little introduction. My name is Andy Sokolovich. I am a Gallup certified strength coach and the owner of a coaching practice, Unleash Strengths, nestled right here in the small Midwest town of Clinton, Iowa. I am a coach for hire, working with organizations to enhance employee engagement, boost recognition, and increase overall job satisfaction. If you are interested in enlisting the skills of a strengths coach, or you're looking for a speaker for your next workshop, conference, or seminar, consider giving me a call, 815 815- 441-2219 or emailing Andy, A-N-D-Y, at UnleashedStrengths.com. Thematics is a podcast series designed to highlight the massive impact the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment has had on now over 12 million people. That's right. We're past 10. We're past 11. We're in the 12 million people now that have taken this assessment. It's our belief that the best way to promote its effectiveness and proven results is to interview those who've experienced the power of strengths-based development First hand. Our guest today is intimately aware of his strengths and wants nothing more than to share his story in an effort to help you and others succeed. For more information or to schedule an interview for yourself, that's right. You too can be on thematics. All I ask is that you have a love of strengths. Go ahead again and shoot me an email, Andy at unleashstrengths.com. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash unleash strengths, Twitter at unleash CSF. You can subscribe to our RSS feed link on our, on our website. And we have links and and hot buttons all over the website, UnleashedStrengths.com, for iTunes. I do ask that if you listen to us via iTunes, you go ahead and leave us a review. Those really help our podcast rise to the top. My co-host, Grace LaConte, is not going to be with us today. Grace is with her lovely family uh, vacationing in Northern California. And unfortunately, she said the internet is extremely slow. So as many of you avid listeners of Thematics know, I'm in the Midwest in Iowa. And Grace now lives in Vancouver, Washington. So all of this podcast, all the production is done via Skype. And with no internet... That means Grace can't be with us today, but that's okay because we have an awesome interview. This gentleman and I have set up this interview a while back. I've been following what he's doing online, following him on LinkedIn, and I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Ian Pettigrew. Ian, how are you doing, sir? And go ahead and tell us your top five. Andy, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to be with you, and thanks so much for having me on here, and I'm equally excited. Um, My top five, Relator, Woo, Learner, futuristic and strategic. So something that helped me make a whole lot of sense out of uh, who I am. Yeah, absolutely. We share strategic, futuristic, and woo in our top five. Mm. So, you know, and I find that a lot when I get guests on this podcast. It seems like those who are attracted to podcasting or those who want to be on on the other end of an interview are usually have those somewhere up there in their top 10. So it's kind of neat. I'm doing my own little study here inadvertently. 
So is podcasting like the Woo Club then? I guess it is. I'm going to call it Woo Casting. Ooh, don't steal that. I may actually run with that. Woo Cast. <laughs> so, Ian, who introduced you to Strength Finder and why? How did it enter your life? There's probably two distinct phases to it, and I think they're top five and full 34. Top five was going back about 10 years ago when I my career started off in IT. Uh, my first degree is in statistics and computing, um, and I was working in sort of IT leadership roles in a large global company. And we had a, a, a leadership development program called Passion for Value. And as part of that, they were using StrengthsFinder. This book arrived with a code, and I took this assessment that asked lots of really strange questions. And then I was presented with my top five strengths. I had some coaching on it. I had some discussions. And I heard some other people talk about the power of strengths. And I was just, it, it was absolutely amazing. It was eye-opening and it was liberating for me. And it totally changed my, uh, my career path. So that was back in 2005, so 10 years ago. Um, so top five really changed things massively for me. The next phase was not that long ago, 18 months, a couple of years ago. I first saw my top five when I was doing the Accelerated Strengths training course. Um, and I think it was the first time Gallup had run it in the UK. Uh, and we were doing it in London. And it was an absolute delight that um, Kurt Liesfeld flew over and uh, and led the training course. That was when I first saw my full 34 strengths. And again, that just took things to a a whole new level for me. Again, was liberating, was revealing, was eye-opening, and and really helped me to kind of accept myself in a really powerful way, but also really start to unlock some more keys to to really getting the best out of myself. You know, the last interview you had was with a, a beautiful woman by the name of Nancy Zugswert, and she said that the top five, the revealing of those five themes, seemed to kind of give her permission to be herself. And I kind of hear that a little bit in your response. It's like, all of a sudden you get this information, you're like, yes, you know, I, I see what this is. This applies to me directly. I understand. And it kind of gives you some insight into who you are as an individual. And uh, absolutely. I listened to Nancy's podcast. Wasn't it Nancy that was getting a bit emotional partway through the podcast when she started to talk about that? And I could, you know, I, I can understand that and appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a, it was a time in her life where she was she had four sons and she was a very upbeat, energetic mother. But she had that weird uh, teenage transition where her sons really weren't too excited about getting up and going to school, not as positive as mom was. And she <laughs> felt like she had to kind of curb that town a little bit. And now she realizes that that's who she is and she wants to just move forward and embrace it. So that was an awesome interview. And I hear a lot of that in your response, but also the realization that there's 34. Okay. You have, you have your top five. People mm -hmm. want to rush and just automatically. I think one of the reasons that Gallup doesn't give you your full 34 right off the bat is because where would everybody focus immediately? They would focus on their bottom five and not their top five. So it's kind of the smoke and mirrors distraction there. But that 34 really is that next level, that maturing phase of developing your talents. And it, it sounds like, and I think it's awesome that Kurt was able to fly over there to the UK and work with you guys for the Accelerated Strengths class. That must have been an awesome experience. Uh, absolutely. Uh, an absolutely amazing person to uh, to work with. Somebody, uh, yeah, it, it incredibly special. And his, uh, his legacy def definitely lives uh, lives on. So, Ian, you get the top five in 2005, and then now you reveal your full 34, and you're sitting there and you're looking at this report. 
Now, tell us a little bit what your strengths journey has looked like since you became strengthsware of now all 34 of your themes, how you've been able to apply that in your life, both personally and professionally. Top five was very influential for me, and that started me on a journey. So I was working in an IT leadership role. I think it was seeing Learner as my top, as my number three that kind of really made sense for me. And I think up till that point, I probably felt guilty about Learner. I'd kind of almost felt that this was a little lazy bit of me that wanted to learn rather than do work. Mm. When I saw Learner in my top three and it, it as number three and it really made sense for me, I started to look at how I could apply that both for myself and other people. In 2005, I, I started to take a different career journey and I discovered that I was a lot more interested in people than I was in technology. And, and that led to a, a gradual change of, uh, of roles in the organization that I was working for. Started to introduce more coaching into my role, started to do some coaching training, started to work with teams across the company. So I ended up in a job in which I was um, change director in a large pharmaceutical company and leading sort of big reorganizations and transformation. Uh, and that was a brilliant job and I loved it and I really got to use a lot of my strengths but it kind of somehow, it wasn't quite enough for me. And so just five years ago now, um, I left to set up on my own, recognizing that that would be the next stage of my journey, really, so that I could fully be who I was uh, who I was born to be, really. Tell me a little bit about uh, the guilty feeling you had with learners. I've heard that before, and I'd like to see if you can kind of build on that a little bit for our listeners. Yeah, I, I'm not the most organized of, of people. You know, so a lot of the execution strengths are, uh, are sort of way down the list for me. And I'm also, you know, futuristic and strategic combined well with me. Um, I can overwhelm myself with ideas in a darkened room without anybody else to speak to. Once my relator and woo kick in and I'm suddenly sort of talking to other people, I am absolutely buzzing with ideas and inspired by how things could be. And so one of the things that I guess there was a big change for me. I guess I used to feel guilty about that along with learner because I can see how people could improve. So I used to think that that was something that stopped me getting more done. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say early on in my career, I actually made an effort to suppress those strengths. Mm. And as we know now that suppressing strengths um, it isn't a great way to succeed and it's not sustainable. So what I learned instead was to actually use those strengths well, you know, and to apply them in a re really mature way and how to manage my weaknesses as well. And I, you know, I love the focus on strengths, but sometimes people seems to seem to think it's all about strengths. And it isn't. If you're going to have a full debate about strengths, it also means acknowledging and talking about weaknesses, but coming up with just really great ways to uh, to minimize them and work around them and, and, you know, work with other people. Absolutely. And you and I, I believe, are very similar in the fact that my strategic and futuristic, if if I am left alone in a room in the dark, as you said, without the without the ability to interact with people and vocalize those ideas. I spend so much time in my head that it becomes it becomes of a more of a lesser talent or maybe a perceived weakness because it's kind of debilitating for me just to be alone without the ability to share 
that information with others, what's going on. So I, in order for me to engage my strategic and my futuristic and apply it to something that's meaningful or effective or beneficial for the group as a whole, I have to be out there talking to people. I, I have to. I have to go out, whether it's talking to one person or two people or sharing my idea. That's why for me, it's really important to get involved in like masterminds and brainstorming groups where I can share my ideas with others because left alone in my own thoughts, I won't be effective. I won't execute on any of them. Yeah, so. So, same here. And I, I, when I shared my strengths journey and I said that phase one was about top five and phase two was about full 34, I guess the other bit I missed off was sort of phase zero, which is when I knew nothing about strengths. And for quite a few years of my career, phase zero was probably to try to minimize my strengths and to maximize my weaknesses. I know now what a fruitless and pointless exercise that was. I just didn't know it at the time. Take us back to your original time. You, t- you took the top five. You're sitting there. You got 177 questions that you're answering. You got the assessment. You got 20 seconds to answer each question. You get your results. You're looking at your results. Talk to us a little bit about how that made you feel. And you touched on it earlier, but what a lot of people refer to as that aha moment, that moment where you're reading that report and you realize this is pretty valid and actually very accurate. Yeah, I think the first one was just a bit of a shock that was kind of like, right, how did those questions, how did that suddenly result in this really accurate assessment of who I am? You know, how how did they know that? And now I work with clients all the time. I hear that time and time again, that people are amazed by the the reliability with, you know, with which this is uh, predicting, sorry, indicating who they are. So I was amazed by how accurate it was. And I think the overwhelming feeling for me was one of liberation. It it was kind of like, yeah, those things that I've felt guilty about and, and worried about, you know, the, those characteristics, they are strengths. It, it totally changed my perspective on it. And also the the message that came across loud and clear in the group was that you don't need to be good at everything. You know, that individuals don't need to be well-rounded and that, and that we can't be. And I also heard from somebody who, for me, was a really inspirational leader. And actually, a few years later, um, I ended up working for her. This leader in IT talked about her strengths. And basically, I was amazed and absolutely inspired by the confidence with which she talked about who she is. And who she isn't. And, and that just, uh, it, it just amazed me. That was a real pivotal moment for me. It's definitely a confidence booster. I mean, those are two words that I use all the time when uh, describing the assessment is it gave me a massive boost in confidence because again, it gives you that permission just to be yourself. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing with strengths on a global scale. I know you, you got your own coaching business, but you're also involved in a few other things, a nonprofit. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I run a business called Kingfisher Coaching, and I do leadership development, some team development, and a lot of individual coaching. I called it Kingfisher because when I was looking for a name, um, I was out with my wife, and we were walking the dog. We saw a Kingfisher you know, fly along, and then it dived for fish. And, and I just find them such inspirational, amazing, beautiful birds most people, I know kingfishers are different in all different countries, but most people in the UK where I'm based, when they see a kingfisher, they see it flying along and they see a flash of blue on its back, this really vivid sort of electric blue. So most people think kingfishers are blue, but actually when you look at them, 
they're not what they first appear. They're mostly orange. And also, you would never describe them as an all-round bird that is perfect for everything. But when they dive into the water, they are so aerodynamic that the apparently the Japanese bullet train, the one that goes at 200 miles an hour, they modelled um, the front of that train on the beak of the Kingfisher. So for me, Kingfisher Coaching was the perfect name for the business because it's a bird that isn't what it first appears and is fantastic at some things and doesn't care that it isn't good at everything. So it, it just meant so much for me in terms of uh, the, the parallels to us as people. I also have done a second degree, which is a theology degree, um, and I'm a lay minister in the Anglican Church, in the Church of England here in the UK. So I'm often quite busy leading, preaching, teaching. Um, I can officiate at funerals. So there's, you know, that keeps me really busy. Uh, I often refer to that as my weekend job. But I'm also on the board of a charity. Um, I'm a trustee of a charity called Retrack, who work with street children across Africa. Um, and I first got involved when I was actually in Uganda. And I got to sit in the slums in Kampala and to talk to children who were really young and who were just living rough on the street uh, through no fault of their own um, and were just living completely alone. And quite quickly after that, I got involved with this charity to really to, to help them uh, get off the streets and hopefully reintegrate them back with ideally the family um, or possibly the community. Just to talk about a couple of the things I, I do with strengths and a couple of observations a lot of my work, it felt like I had two strands to my work for quite a while. Um, I was doing the work around strengths, and I also got involved in doing a lot of work around resilience as well. And I kept getting people sent to me um, and referred to me for coaching who were off sick, who were struggling, um, were signed off work, were off with anxiety or depression, and I would coach them back to being who they were. And I decided that whilst that could potentially be a good source of income, that wasn't how I wanted to make the money. You know, I, I, I didn't want to see people get into that condition in the first place. So I developed some offerings around resilience um, and started to run resilience workshops in organizations so that I could help people to, to be resilient and to cope um, better with stress. And over time, I've actually united those things because um, I've been working on a framework called True Strength, because what I've realized is that the the things that help us to thrive as individuals and to be who we're born to be are, are just there's so much of an overlap with the things that we need to do to be resilient and to bounce back from adversity and from stress and pressure. So one of the things that I that really winds me up quite not many things wind me up, but uh, but one thing that does is when people sort of try to sell success secrets and they what they're actually doing is sharing their success secrets because uh, and those can be really valuable, but you know as we know through our work on strengths, one size does not fit all individuals are so unique and also different people want different things their purpose is completely different so over time as i've worked with clients um i've been developing a framework that i'm using just in my own coaching and it's about starting off 
Um, the acronym is SWIMART, S-W-I-M-A-R-T. And that's for strengths and weaknesses, because basically we need to start with who we are and who we're not. And that, for me, is the absolute foundation of development work. And the I stands for intent. So not only do we know need to know who we are, but we need to know what we want. And, and one of my experiences is that there are so many people who don't know what they want. You know, they're looking for coaching to help them, and they're not sure they're maybe not happy or they're not succeeding, but they don't know what they actually want. And if sometimes people know what they don't want, but you really need to know what your intent is, what you do want. So once you know who you are and what you want, the M stands for mindset, because quite often we have to help people build their confidence or overcome some things like perfectionism or, you know, overcome fear or self-doubt or so many other things. The A stands for action because it's not enough to know your strengths, to have a really powerful intent and a nice mindset. Each and every day, you've got to do the right things, you know, and you've got to take action towards your goal. The R stands for resilience, um, which is that there are some specific things we can do to make sure that we can handle pressure and we can handle stress and that we can, you know, we can bounce back uh, from any adversity. And then the T for me, is something that underpins it all because it stands for truth. A lot of people seem to struggle with the whole concept of feedback, but for me, feedback is just compassionate truth. For me, one of the elements of true strength is that people need to make sure that they have compassionate truth, and often that can be mastermind groups, support network, mentor, coach, whatever it might be. But we really need the uh, to have that. So, yep, that's a model that I've been working on, uh, and I've been using in my coaching. And I I speak about, I talk about, I uh, I write about, and it's kind of it. It's one of those funny things when I finally sat there and just thought about true strength and about how it unifies absolutely everything that I I stand for, I believe in, I care about, I'm good at. I kind of finally felt like I'd really discovered what it was I was born to do and kind of what it was I wanted to do when I was uh, when I grew up and that happened at the age of 48. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how you, you run into people and you tell them about strengths finder, you tell them about the assessment and often I hear Andy, you know, I'm approaching 50 years of age even if I identify my natural talents, how am I going to apply them? Am I, am I too, my past that? And the answer is always no. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, first of all, I love that framework. I have a hard time being able to convey what I want. People always ask me like, what do you want? What, what do you want to come out of this? What is your desired outcome? So the I for intent, that is something that I have a very, very difficult time conveying. And I sometimes I know what it is. It's sitting there in my head. I can picture it. But even though communication is in my top five, that is the one thing where I struggle to communicate my desire, my intent in a way that I feel is not only going to be positive for whatever it is that I'm doing for the individual or the group as a whole, but also for myself. And the other thing is the truth. That's huge with me. I need that. I need mentorship. And I stated that earlier. I need masterminds. I need groups to get involved in and speak because I'm a very social person. So I think intent is so important that I know that one of my own defaults I sometimes get into that, that isn't a healthy one 
is that sometimes I'm easily able to articulate what I don't want. Mm. And I'm not as, I'm not as good at articulating what I do want. So if I give you an example, I've lost quite a, quite a bit of weight. Uh, in the last six months, I've really got into uh, into a lot better shape. And actually, my strengths have played a, a big part in doing that. And I've lost about £45 uh, in the space of six months. As I look back over my fitness over the last few years, a lot of it was around I didn't want to be overweight. So what I'd do is when I got overweight, I'd suddenly get motivated and I'd lose weight. And then my motivation would go and I'd put weight on. And and then I'd suddenly think, oh, I don't want to be overweight. And I'd start losing weight again. And so one of the things that I've done is got a lot clearer about what I want in terms of physical things, spiritual things, material things, experiences. And I like one of the things that worries me sometimes when people can't articulate what they when they can articulate what they don't want is that people spend all their time thinking about the negative. You know, I, I used to do a lot of uh, a lot of horse riding, um, and I used to compete a little bit. My tutor uh, in the lessons used to make me ride without a saddle because that would really help to develop your balance. And, and there was a powerful lesson that kind of it, it kept on reinforcing for me was that I discovered that, you know, if you're riding a horse without a saddle – it's all based on your balance and your seat. If you want to go straight on, you keep your eyes focused straight on. And then absolutely every bit of your body is focused on going straight on. If you want to turn to the right, you look to the right. And as you look to the right, your head shifts a bit, your body shifts a bit, your arms shift a bit, and the horse picks this up and it just moves to the right. On those lessons when I was really worried about falling off, I spent most of my time looking on the floor, thinking, that looks hard. I don't really want to end up there. Guess where I ended up? Yeah. (laughs) On the floor. And I think, for me, there was a really powerful reminder there that quite often, where you look, you go. And so if you're looking at what you don't want, (laughs) there's a good chance that you're going to end up getting what you don't want. Yeah, just uh, like motorcycle riding. Remember when I went and got certified to get the identifier of my, or the permit for my motorcycle license, the gentleman said, if you're trying to avoid a rock, don't look at the rock. Uh, yeah, ex- ex- yeah, right, here you go. You've got it. It's exactly that. Um, I, I used to do quite a bit of motorbike racing, and once you get, you know, you're going around the track, and you're going faster and faster, you get to the stage where you realize you just need to look where you want to go, you know, on every bend. And then you get into that fluidity and that flow and it all happens. And this, so quite often when I'm working with clients, I will spend quite a bit of time working on intent and helping them figure out what it is they want. And sometimes I'll ask people to write their retirement speech. You know, what, what would your dream retirement speech be? With a couple of people, I've asked them to write what would they love the eulogy at their funeral to be. And that's kind of the ultimate big picture of starting at the end and then starting to work back. The other thing that I think is really important about intent is I really like the work of um, of David Allen, you know, on GTD and yes. getting things done. And they do a great job of talking about the different levels 
you know, the 50,000 foot level and, and it's kind of at, at every level below that. And for me, one of the really powerful things that sometimes helps people to absolutely unleash their strengths is getting really clear on their intent, you know, knowing what they want and then translating that at every action into their projects, their roles, their priorities and their to-do list. When people get to do that, that's often when they really get to put their strengths to work. So how many people want to write a book? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's part of their intent. But actually, they don't sit down and write several hundred words each day. You know, so often there's that disconnect between, I really want to do that because it's really important and it really plays to my strengths. But actually, the rubber doesn't hit the road. And so for me, that's why, you know, intent and action combine together to just help people be what they can be. I love that. That's some powerful insights right there. This is going to be a great podcast for our listeners. I always ask people this question because we have a lot of strengths enthusiasts, a lot of strengths coaches out there who have received a tremendous amount of value from the Strengths Finder assessment. Yet when they approach others and they tell them about the assessment, there's always, not always, but there tends to be some kind of defense or resistance towards taking an assessment. People don't want to be placed in a silo. So they say, "Eh, I'm not really comfortable with taking the assessment. Now you as a strengths enthusiast and somebody who uses it as a coaching tool, when you approach people about StrengthsFinder and you explain to them about the assessment, what do you say in order to get them to kind of feel more comfortable about sitting down and answering those 177 questions? I've never had anybody that's challenged me head on uh, about that. Um, I have had some people that have sort of said, yeah, I'm not really kind of totally sure about this. What do you think? Or quite often I've had people say something like, well, I've done Myers-Briggs, you know, and I really like that. What? Why do I need to do this? And so the way that I'll often describe StrengthsFinder to them in that situation is because people say, how is it different, you know, to MBTI or how is it different to any other type of uh, psychometric tool? And what I'll say to them is it's a bit like having a map. If we're traveling somewhere, we might have lots of different maps. You know, we might have a big atlas of a country. Uh, we might have a globe. We might have a more local map. You know, we might have might have a map of transport or subway. Um, we might have satellite navigation, you know, in our cars or on a phone. These are all different maps and they're all different representations and they're all useful for different purposes. Only two things really matter to me in that scenario. One is that what you're using is valid and reliable so that it actually does give a representation of what it is it's supposed to be representing. And the second thing is that you pick in the right map for the tool, uh, the right map for the purpose that you actually want to use it for. Once somebody sort of gets that concept of, yeah, you know, Myers-Briggs that have done looks at me in one particular way and provides one particular map. And actually, here's another tool, you know, which will create a different map that is useful for a different purpose. And it's fine to have different maps. And then I'll talk to them sometimes about the technical report and about just how valid and reliable StrengthsFinder is and maybe share some of my personal experiences, you know, or the experiences of hundreds of people that I've worked with. People seem to be pretty relaxed uh, about using it then. So now you meet with somebody, they're sitting there, they're taking the assessment, they go ahead and they print out their results, they look at it, and then they turn to you and say, now what? What is that first action step that you give them? I, I help people to name, aim, and claim the strengths. I, you know, I, I do what I'm trained to do. Um, I help people 
to, to really own their strengths and understand it, then in a really structured way to to help them put their strengths to work and, and to help them to uh, to aim those strengths. This is going to be one of those questions we're going to. I'm either going to hear I love all of them, or there's going to be that one particular one. But out of your top five, which is your favorite and why? Oh, that's a hard question. It is that, a hard one. <laughs> it is yeah, a hard one. That that is a really hard question. Now I've talked to a few coaches from like South Africa and they use the terminology and I don't know if you use it as well as a core talent. That one that kind of is the tip of the spear that drives or clears the way for all the rest to kind of follow in behind. I've narrowed it down to a short list of three when you asked that Andy. So it's, um, I, I love my woo and I know that relator and woo don't often appear together, but I love relator and the woo and the way that they interact with each other and the way that they make me who I am. And I love the way my futuristic and strategic combine as well. And I guess if there were the one that stood out for me, the one that I kind of probably gets me through the days most easily, I would say it's strategic. It's the way that I feel I can sit there and make sense of what I see going on around me and then respond and act quickly. So when I'm facilitating workshops, when I'm working with a team on strengths, um, when I'm coaching on a one-to-one basis, I'd guess it's strategic that is the one. You know, that thinking and modeling and making sense of, uh, of what's going on that really stands out for me. Ian, thank you so much for being on this episode of Thematics. Your insights and your knowledge around strengths and life in general has been really insightful, and I'm excited to, for our listeners to be able to soak this up, write it down, and then hopefully apply it. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And Ian, if anybody hears this podcast, this episode, and wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Several ways. Um, one is to go onto my website, which is um, kingfishercoaching.com, all one word. And I'm on Twitter as Kingfisher Coach, and I absolutely love Twitter. So both of those would be great ways to uh, connect with me. All right. Thank you again, sir, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thematics comes to you every week. We try to do it every week. We're interviewing people who love their talents and just want to share their success and their story with others. Make sure you follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Unleash Ranks. Hit us up on Twitter at Unleash CSF. And as always, you can download and subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. And I will ask again, if you listen to us via iTunes, please leave us some positive feedback. It really helps our show grow. All right, everybody, this is Andy Sokolovich from UnleashStrengths.com, and I will talk to you guys soon. See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of Thematics presented by UnleashStrengths.com. Remember to embrace your strengths and always stay addicted. Thank <laughs> you.